Before we start the show, we have an announcement. After a year and a half of game plan, we're going to be putting this show on hold. We're sad about not getting to talk to you guys every week, but if you have a half-baked take that you've been sitting on, now's the time to call it in. I've been working for almost two decades, and there's one thing about professional life I'm still kind of stumped about. What to wear. I'm not completely clueless, but like a lot of us, I still have some work fashion questions I've just been afraid to ask. Well, that's all going to change today. This is Game Plan. Hi, I'm Francesca Levy. And I'm Rebecca Greenfield. And this week, we are talking about what to wear to work. This isn't something that feels like it's super related to actually like doing a good job. But it turns out that even if it shouldn't, what you wear actually matters at yeah, the office. I hate that it does because I want to live in a world where it doesn't matter, but people judge you. Yeah. Um, and there has been like a weirdly high number of studies done on how what you wear affects how you work. And they've come up with all kinds of conclusions about the psychological effect of your clothing on your productivity and just like how you feel about your job. There is one study that said dressing up at work, so kind of like dressing a little more formally than whatever is expected of you at your job, um, helps you with creative thinking because basically it makes you feel like a big shot and therefore like you're you're high above the fray. You don't think about like the small details. You think about the big ideas. I remember another one that was that found that the people who wore suits in the study ended up negotiating for more money. They had to do a negotiation. So it was like you feel like important and powerful and big. So you're you throw on a power suit and you get more powerful. Right. Um, and there's also the converse of that, which is that if you wear casual clothes, one study showed that that makes you somehow better at carrying out instructions. So I guess like it actually it can be good, but it sort of makes you feel like you're less important in the office, but it makes you good at following directions. Maybe that's why a lot of industries like service industries have uniforms. I mean, I don't think that's only why, but, you know, they want right. their workers to fall in line. You're one member of a very big workforce. Um, and your uniform reminds you of that. We also, in a Bloomberg article a couple of years ago, wrote about how wearing branded clothing um, makes you more confident. So if you have a logo on your clothes, that can Im- that can increase your confidence. And furthermore, you can actually take on some of the characteristics that you associate with that brand. So like if you're wearing Nike shoes, I guess you'd be more inclined to just do it. <laughs> so it's not necessarily the brand of... Your own company, but just like no, like, name brand. Right. Like the that the logo makes a difference in how you feel about what you're able to do. I mean, it's kind of crazy how much of an effect our clothes end up having on how we think about ourselves. Yeah, it's not just that people are looking at you and judging you. You're you're internalizing what you're wearing. So whether you like it or not, what you wear matters. But figuring out how to dress the right way, even if you know kind of like what you're going for, isn't always as simple as throwing on a, a blazer um, or a power suit. There's there's no manual for how to transition your wardrobe when your job changes. Yeah, there was a whole debate about this. 
saying that the office dress code has gone away. So it's even harder now for people. I don't know that I necessarily agree with this, but there's the idea that before everyone just wore business casual. Um, and that for men meant like khaki pants and a button down. And for women, it was one of those A-line pencil skirts. But now there's probably a lot more variety in industries. I would say that still within industries and offices, there's a dress code. And and we did an episode on this about a year ago, looking into the office dress code. And if it's dead or not, we argue that it's alive and well. But I do think, yeah, it's, it's there's more variation with among the industries now. I think that variation can be tough because I think it actually ends up meaning that there are still rules. It's just harder to figure out what they are. So it's easy enough if you know everybody at your job wears a blazer, you just have to find the right blazer. But when it seems like there are no rules about what you wear, but you know that there are kind of secret codes and people are following them and there's all this variety in what you can buy and what people are saying it's okay to work. I feel like you walk into that without a background of dressing a certain way for work and you can get really confused. And it's kind of annoying and inconvenient. I remember when I first started working, I was working in D.C., which is much more formal than here in New York. People wear business casual. So I just bought a bunch of skirts and tops and I did wear them for probably the first six months of my working life, but have not touched them since because that's not really how people dress in our industry. Yeah, they're probably not in style anymore. Anyway. Also, yeah, that was a while ago <laughs> and I, I don't I don't even want to know what I was wearing. And they were probably cheap. There's a lot wrong with that. <laughs> But I had like the I think the pain points here really are transitions. So it's like when you go from school, you know, college or graduate school to professional life or you go from one industry to an industry where everybody dresses kind of different or you just go from kind of a lower level job to a higher level one where you're expected to wear more formal clothes and how you plan for those transitions. That That's the thing I think where people really don't know what to do. Like I remember I bought an interview suit. That was probably the first suit I ever bought um, right out of college. And I bought it from H&M. I remember exactly what it looked like. It was like <laughs> it was a it was a what do you call it? A skirt suit. I mean, it was like a skirt and a blazer. Yeah, that's a suit. And it, it was linen with like this it was like white linen with this weird kind of metallic plaid uh, pattern over it. And I, I thought it was like the classiest, fanciest thing I'd ever seen at the time. And I thought it looked great on me. And I'm sure it like instilled me with all kinds of confidence at those job interviews that I wore it to. And then I just continued wearing it. And it was like my, the only suit I owned for literally like 10 years because I, I worked in nonprofits right out of school and it just like wasn't a, it wasn't a suit wearing kind of place. So once a year when I had a meeting that was important enough that I had to wear a suit, I'd throw on this suit. And at some point I realized like I only own one suit and it's 10 years old. And that's like, I think you get yourself into these binds. Yeah. And even if you're not transitioning to a different industry, what happens to me is every time I start a new job, it's in the same industry. I am like, this time I'm going to dress better than I used to. And I, I go out and I buy some like upgraded workwear and then yeah. I wear it again for about six months and then I'm back to my uniform. Yeah. You always go back to your default. Like yeah. you, you can only really dress like you. Yeah. So I think when the will I learn? <laughs> well, I think the question is, how do you dress like you and also dress for work? And we have an expert here who's going to help us with that question and many more. Chris Rouser is the editor of Bloomberg Pursuits, our luxury and lifestyle vertical and just an all around stylish guy. 
So, Chris, we're going to ask you to solve some of our big fashion problems. But oh before we get into that, <laughs> do you have a general philosophy on how to dress for work? Like, what's your big idea about this? So my big idea is that uh, less is actually more. You don't want to be out there trying to be the flashiest person in the office, not only because you just can't keep that going for such a long time, but also if you wear flashy outfits, people remember that outfit. And then if you have to wear it again in like four days, people will remember that you wore it a few days ago. Whereas if you have like a bunch of staples and things that you rely on, but you kind of always look the same, then you can kind of wear the same clothes over and over and over again. Yeah, I definitely wear the same black jeans and just assume people think I own 20 pairs of black jeans. Yeah. But that's just a, one. That's a thing. Um, like fashion people are known for having uniforms. A lot of fashion people, you know, they work at Vogue, but they wear black, just sort of simple black shirts and pants. And that's because they know like you can't you kind of can't do it every day if you're trying to be uh, sort of flashy or make a statement. They just it's easier just to look like you and have people not really pay attention to it. So you mentioned the uniform thing. There was a big debate, I remember, started by the New York Times, of course, where they argued that it was the end of the office dress code. Where do you fall on that, the line of that debate? I think, well, actually, right now, we're kind of going back into an era of formality. I, I it's sort of a, I, I get a sense of, a, of grown-upness in what people are wearing. I think for a while, uh, when sort of hipsters ruled the roost, uh, everything was open plan, and, you know, norm core was kind of the look. People kind of became a little bit more schlubby, I would say, like five years ago. And now, you know, offices are realizing that a little bit of formality actually helps. So people are getting offices again. Um, people are wearing lace-up shoes. And, and I sense a sort of return to, let's get dressed up. Let's be adults in the office. Okay, speaking of schlubby, mm -hmm. when is it okay to wear jeans at the office? Because my, my answer is like always, but mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I mean, I think it's different for women and men. I think uh, women can wear jeans in a way that looks a little bit more dressy than men, although sort of dark wash jeans are kind of always a reliable uh, staple. Do you think there's an age or a rank in the office where you grow out of jeans? I've been worrying about this recently. Am I too old for jeans? Do I look like a college student? I think it depends on the workplace. I think if you're in an office where a fair number of people wear suits, then if you are at a, a level of seniority where you manage people, you probably are getting to the point where you can't wear jeans that often. So kind of like look at the people above you, mm -hmm. maybe see. I think my manager wears jeans. Yeah, I mean, well, we're journalists, right? Like we people wear shorts to this office. You know, other people are a little bit more formal. I remember my brother is a lawyer at a hedge fund. And I remember the day that they started being allowed to uh, wear jeans and he would wear what he would normally wear, like a sort of button down Oxford, maybe a tie but just replace the pants with jeans and you have, the whole outfit has to make sense together. So, you know, if you're, if you feel like it's a little formal, like you have to dress up on top, but you're throwing jeans on, that's probably misguided. This is probably a good time to ask about work transitions. Like when you do have a change in dress code at the office, like you just described, or you go from uh, one job where things are slightly more casual to a job where things are more formal or you just go from school to work, like you've been in graduate school wearing sweatpants every day and now you have to have a work outfit. Like, how do you deal with this, uh, the need to basically suddenly change your whole wardrobe? I mean, I think what you can't avoid is a big shopping trip. You know, I, I've switched jobs where I'm like, oh, I've got to like upgrade my wardrobe. And you sort of try to do it piece by piece. But then you're still really kind of wearing the same stuff you always wear. You have to bite the bullet and just go shopping and buy a bunch of things. 
and so you know if you don't have a ton of money go to a place like Topshop or Zara they have good clothes that fit um, my the blazer I get the most compliments on is one from Topshop and I definitely have ones from more expensive places um, and then the other thing I would say is throw away the things that don't fit you everyone has stuff in their closet that's like you know oh I wear this I can put it under a sweater and it like it sort of fits and um or like this tie has a stain on it, but like you know, if I if I button my blazer, no one sees. Um, you got to throw that stuff away because you're going to be tempted to use it uh, to wear it, and just get rid of it, and then that'll elevate your sort of baseline wardrobe. And finally, when you're shopping, I think the key thing to remember is get stuff that fits you well. Don't get stuff that you necessarily think is particular, you know, more beautiful than fits well. Like fit is the ultimate expensive looking attribute. If your clothes fit you well. It looks much more chic and much more expensive than if you have something made of some wonderful fabric or whatever that was from a fancy label that doesn't fit you as well. When you talk about going on a shopping trip, my immediate thought is, oh, I don't want to spend so much money. So is there a hack for people who are budget conscious or who just don't have the money to spend on a whole new wardrobe? The the real answer is is to have, you know, kind of a uniform where you can swap in and out things. So if you're a woman, go get... Um, you know, some pants, uh, get some simple dresses that you can accessorize and that, you know, sort of are the blank palette on which uh, you can build a bunch of different outfits that look different, even though you're really kind of wearing the same clothes. Like for men, I often recommend go out, get three suits, get them wherever you can afford them, um, you know, get a gray one, get a navy one, uh, and then maybe get another color. Um, and, you know, if, if it looks nice enough, you can wear the blazer with a different pair of pants uh, and you can no one's really looking at your suit. They're looking at your tie and your shirt and your shoes and your socks. So if you have those three things, you can really rotate it around. It's like Marge Simpson's Chanel suit from The Simpsons. You know, like you can you can make a lot of looks out of one suit. What about something that you kind of can't get away with saving on? Like, is there one thing that you think everyone should just splurge on? Hmm, yeah, that's a good question. I think I think you can't overestimate how much your shoes affect the way that you look. And uh Bad shoes fall apart. They look bad really quickly. And if you don't take care of your shoes, it, it just makes the whole outfit look schlubby. So, um, you know, for men, I often say go get a pair of black lace-ups, brown lace-ups, maybe a brogue, and then take really good care of them. You know, go to a shoe shine place that costs $4, uh, get shoe trees and keep them in the shoes so they're stretched out. Uh, and the same thing with women, you know, get shoes that are comfortable, uh, that that accentuate any outfit that you can wear a lot. And, you know, if you're wearing a nice outfit, but then you're wearing sneakers or like super comfortable office shoes, that throws the whole outfit out of whack. So I think the shoes are actually really a good investment. So women often have this issue in the summer of being cold in the office mm-hmm. because most offices are really over air conditioned and having to have some kind of sweater strategy. And this is often like a fleece you don't really care about that you can leave over the back of your office chair or some piece of swag that you got as part of a gift bag for a corporate event. And it it never goes with your outfit. And it's always really obvious that like you got dressed at home and now you're cold and you're walking around in this thing. How do you deal with the office sweater problem? Well, first of all, I'm glad that we're talking about the office temperature uh, issue because as a longtime listener to this podcast, I know that this is a recurring theme. And also I sit on the same floor as you guys and can attest to the fact that there are constant temperature wars on our floor. Um, like literally you turn around the like one corner of the floor and it's like you're walking into a sauna. It's and like then you a get whole the, new microclimate. Yeah, it's yeah. so bizarre. Um, 
So I also have an office sweater, and it's uh, you know it's a dark cardigan. I'm not necessarily like a cardigan person, but it's the same thing as what you're describing. You kind of have to have something like that. I think the best solution is to wear something dark, um, and that fits you pretty well. It's not super schlubby um, that you can button up or not button up. Uh, that that's almost like a blazer in the way that it could potentially make your outfit look a little bit more formal when you put it on. Like there's been times when I've had to go on TV here and I wasn't wearing a blazer and I put on a cardigan. And I'm not saying it looked amazing, but it sort of solved the sort of visual graphic issue. And I think that's probably your safest bet. I, you know, I think somebody else might tell you just to go schlubby and just be like, look, I'm not trying to look good. <laughs> like I'm just trying to be warm because you jerks are turning the temperature down all the time. Um, so I, I don't know. I would go for the like, sort of neat and trim thing, but definitely someone else might tell you just to schlub it up. So if you're passive aggressive, you get the ugly hoodie mm-hmm. to be like, people, yeah, make your discomfort known. heat up. I think, if, you know, I would stop short of something that you have to pull over your head <laughs> to, <laughs> to put on because that is a really aggressive, A, look, B, can mess up your hair and is just like, you're like, I've given up. <laughs> you know, I am fully covered up. There's no chance that I might have to dash to a meeting and like look nice. I'm like, this is what I look like today. What about the opposite temperature problem that men have, which is in the summer, it's hot out mm-hmm. and they can't wear shorts to work. Or maybe they can, according to you. I'm not sure. I, think, I suspect you'd say no. <laughs> um, so how do you dress in that scenario? So this is a real issue in New York for guys. I mean, I I can't tell you the amount of times I've showed up to work and I've like sweated through my clothes. And I know people who bring other shirts to work, you know. Um, I think you have to, for me, I have to sort of find out what my like heat points are. So like my ankles get very hot. (laughs) That's like a touch point for me. And so I will often do that look where you, uh, you're wearing like little no-show socks in your shoes, sort of nice dress shoes. And then you kind of roll up the ankle, the ankle of your pant so that you get a little like breathing there. I think, um, you know, depending on where you are, maybe that's, maybe that for you is you wear a nice, uh, button down shirt that is actually short sleeved and you wear it with a tie, uh, or depending on where you are, maybe air tie, uh, you got to just figure out like where you can vent your heat. The ability to wear shorts really is just based on what where what your office is like. Like there are definitely engineers in this building that wear shorts every day in the summer, and I know exactly who they are. If I see them out on the street, I'll be like, "You are the guy that wears shorts every day." Um, and I think because we have a broad range of people here, you can do that. Uh, but if you're in an office where almost everyone wears a suit, you absolutely cannot wear shorts. I want to get a little deeper into the shorts thing because <laughs> go deep. Yeah, let's do it. Let's ask the hard questions because I don't even I've never worn shorts to the office and I don't consider myself a particularly formal person. But that's like one threshold I haven't crossed yet. Are there rules for if you decide you're going to take the plunge and you're going to try to wear shorts? I know it depends on your office dress code, but like should you always wear a certain type of shoes or should you do something else to your outfit to to balance out the shorts wearing? That's a good question. Um, I think that you have to have the kind of outfit that people look at you and you're, they're like, oh, that is a fashionable person who made a choice to wear those shorts today. That was like the, the shorts are the best thing for that outfit. So for me, that would be, you know, well-tailored shorts, maybe in a color, not just like some khaki shorts that you would wear on the weekend. Uh, you wear a nice belt, perhaps a colored belt, and then you have to wear uh, a dress shirt on top. Uh, and I would say you have to wear either very clean, new, fashionable sneakers or um, 
or a simple dress shoe with a no-show sock. So yes, there are rules, Francesca. Yeah, considering it. Well, what what you said just took me right out of the running. By the way, like, oh, that she made a conscious, fashionable choice. No, I'm not going to wear my jean shorts. Okay. Well, what? So if you, but if you wear a skirt, you don't wear tights with them, right? I mean, like, what? If yeah, you've worn dresses. Yeah, skirts and dresses are easy. Right. I mean, you you might wear tights. I I guess I, I don't understand the difference between like a skirt and a pair of shorts for a lady. Well, I guess there isn't. Like, if you, you could certainly wear a pair of shorts that are the same length as a skirt. It's mm-hmm. just they're shorts, and I associate shorts with like with very casual wear or like active wear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess like maybe this is my hangup. No, I think the stigma against shorts is is gender neutral. Like, it's just that's the only option for men. But it's not often you see a woman wearing shorts in the office. Right. Yeah. Like if we want to, we have a lot more options if we need to be cooler Mm -hmm. than men do cooler temperature wise. Mm -hmm. So you can just, you can throw on a a skirt or a dress in the summer. Are there work wear trends that you're really into these days? So I think for men, we're in a good period of suiting where people have gotten away from the standard navy uh, and gray and sort of pinstripe suits. There's a particular color of blue that um, we that has been for the past two or three years kind of ever, taking over the world, but it's it's this slightly edgier, slightly more vibrant, almost royal blue suit, which I think is really handsome, and more and more sort of you know straight middle of the road guys are wearing suits like that that fit really well, and I think that's a really good look, and I, I encourage people to explore colors outside of sort of the standard, and then for women, I think. There is kind of this pressure into um, the workwear thing, which, Becca, you have written about for us, um, which I feel like sort of pushes you into um, kind of like a sheath dress sort of look a lot. That feels like the most flexible basic. But I I love, um, you know, women who just wear like, like a great tailored pair of pants and like a great shirt. I think that's a really cool look. And I think that's very now. And I hope that continues to be the trend. This isn't the first time we've asked for your input on this, but I want a final ruling from you, and we'll make it our final question. When is it okay for men or women to show their toes at work? Well, I think it's different for men and women. I think women, if you have a nice pedicure and um, you're, you have a nice pair of shoes, I think, especially in summer, it's pretty okay. Um for men, you know, I've thought a lot about this partially because you guys have asked me this before. And um, I used, I have evolved on this. I used to be a person that thought that you could wear like a nice sandal to work. And now I am not one of those people. Um, and Interesting. I think, sorry. What's a nice men's sandal brand? I well, think I asked you that last time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there are nice sandals from Gucci. Um, Fendi makes them. You don't have to go that expensive. I mean, that's a little over the what top. What are they? Are they like? What's the shape I'm I'm picturing here? Oftentimes, they they'll cover a lot of the front of the toe. So they're uh, some front of the foot rather the bridge. There's um, there'll be a lot of coverage, and um, it'll usually be made in leather. Uh, I can't think of another material that I would recommend. Uh, and they it, it's basically more shoe than flip flop. And I think that's sort of a safe, but you want to cover as much of the foot as you can. Um, I think that it is okay to wear open-toed situations at an office where almost nobody wears a suit. If you're in a workplace environment where, like, if someone wore a suit, you'd be like, whoa, dude, like, what, you got a job interview? Like, then you can wear 
open-toed shoes. But if there is a modicum of people in your office that wear suits every day, then you can't, to me as a man, wear sandals. I feel like that's a great rule of thumb. Yeah. Uh, well, Chris, thank you so much for coming in here and solving Thanks, all of our fashion problems. Becca, I know you won't toot your own horn here, so I'm going to say it. But I think that you are kind of low-key the poster child for exactly the fashion philosophy that Chris was espousing. Listeners, you can't see Becca, but she wears basic, simple, stylish clothes that are not so flashy that you would notice if she wore them again a few days later. But they fit you well. Thank you. But I don't think I'm professional enough still. I think I could dress a little bit nicer. And and I see the professional woman's clothing and I'm just don't want to spend money on it, like a nice blazer or I just bought nice pants and you can ask my sister. I spent at least a day complaining about how much money I spent on them and they weren't even that expensive. But I thought talking to Chris made me realize that you can level up without going crazy expensive. Yeah, I was actually surprised that for somebody whose job it is to run the luxury vertical, which writes about fancy things all day, every day, he kind of came down pretty hard on the side of like not overspending on clothes and not erring on the side of fashionable designery things, but actually finding clothes that fit you well. And that's such a good lesson. It sounds so obvious, but I have so many choices, bad choices I've made in my past where I'm like, oh, but it's designer or like, oh, but the fabric is so pretty. And really, when I put it on and I look in the mirror, it just doesn't look that good. Yeah. Or you want to buy into the latest trend. Yeah. And it goes out of style so fast. I think that's maybe why you perceive me as someone who's just does the basics thing, because I it takes a lot for me to spend a lot of money on something I don't think I'm going to wear a lot. So I tend to not buy the really trend driven clothing. That is another, I think, really solid tip in general, though. Just like if you're if you're going to make an investment in clothing, it better be something that is versatile and can last you a long time. And that means like, it's not going to be the, you know, off the shoulder. What do they call that style? Cold shoulder, where it's, if you're not aware of this uh, fashion abomination, it was very big this summer. It's like, there's a sleeve, there's a long sleeve, but there's no shoulder to the shirt. And the sleeves are often like excessively flowy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize to any listeners who wear this trend. I'm sure you rock it and look amazing, but it's disgusting and it needs to stop. I also really liked his shoe suggestion, which is invest in shoes, which I medium do. Yeah. I cannot buy really cheap shoes because they do break really quickly here. And he talked about also repairing or like taking care of your shoes. He didn't mention repairing, but I think that's another... That's another kind of pro tip that you don't really realize this when you're young, but eventually you kind of get hip to the idea that you can actually get a lot of life out of shoes because when you wear down the heels, you can just go and get them fixed at a cobbler. like a third of the price of a new pair of shoes. Yeah. So you can save and you can look expensive and look professional. And we're here to help you do it. And now let's help you hear some Half-Baked Takes. Half-Baked Takes. If you have a half-baked take you'd like to share, leave us a voicemail at 212-617-0166. Becca, what is your half-baked take this week? My half-baked take is that there is no reason to have a ringtone on your cell phone. (laughs) Set it to vibrate. And this is office-related because there are many people around me that have 
ringtones. One, they either remind me of my alarm clock, yeah, which is horrifying, or they're really specific songs. I didn't know yeah. that was still a thing. I thought everyone just used the standard yeah. phone ringers. If you're trying to say something about yourself with your ringtone, you're not saying anything good. No. You're saying I don't care about people, other people me. in yeah. the space around me. This is a this is a very real office problem because people do walk away from their desk and leave their phone behind. And I do have a phone alarm that goes off every day. Um and feel so 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 guilty on the occasions once in a while when I leave it at my desk and somebody's like I had to turn your phone alarm off. Yeah, I've gone up to people's desks and Oh, that's totally within your rights, I think. It's but really the But annoying. the ringtone, it, it does stand out because it's like, not only is, is this person inconsiderate and they left their phone behind, but they made this weird choice to have, like, Pachelbel's canon announce that their, you know, wife is calling. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just, no. You know who you are. Maybe office buildings could have some kind of special laser sensor thing that automatically turned everyone's phone to vibrate as soon as they walked in the dogs. Tech people get on this. Yeah, Another great idea. Francesca, what's your half-baked take? Uh, I want to talk about a well-used but little-discussed power move in email, which is I feel like the more senior people are, the less descriptive and less grammatically correct their emails become. So it's like sending somebody a sentence fragment email that has no punctuation and kind of doesn't make enough sense or like doesn't answer the question that it's responding to is a signifier that you are too important to care enough to like even read your email over once and make sure it makes sense. And I I feel like very senior people do this. And it's also like people who maybe have a philosophy of responding to every email. So it's a way of saying like, okay, this response didn't make any sense and didn't help you. Um, And also it comes off kind of rude because it has no punctuation. But at least I responded within 30 seconds of you sending me the email. I think that I have a defense for this a little bit. And I think it's people who treat email like texting do it or like chatting. So when you're in an email convo, which is not how email should be used anyway. So that might happen. I also think this was a thing on Twitter for a while where people would not use punctuation and have grammatical errors and there was no capitalization and I thought it was yeah like a signal of coolness or something yeah I will say I I actually tried this the other day I don't really remember what got into me but I spent a day responding to emails like this because normally I kind of agonize over my emails and they're too long and they're too wordy and people don't read all the way to the end and I read them three times to make sure they make sense and I still end up with like a word echo in there and I feel stupid about it. And wow, so you care about the echoes I, in your emails? It, or much. like a cut and paste error where a word appears twice or something and then I'm like, I can't believe I did that. And so the other day I just, all day, I just, maybe it was because I actually was really busy. I was like, I don't have time to reread this. And if they don't, understand what it says they'll just ask me for a clarification so I sent a bunch of like kind of crappy emails that day and I will say it made me feel really powerful it was a high I'm all about the email power moves and this has been Half Baked Takes Half Baked Takes Thank you for listening to Game Plan. You can find me on Twitter at Francesca Today. You can find me at RZ Greenfield. Tweet us your half-baked takes or call into our hotline at 212-617-0166. It's not too late to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a nice review, five-star rating, subscribe. 
do any of those things if your heart so desires. Do you want our newsletter? I think you do. Go sign up for it at Bloomberg.com slash newsletters. You can find us under Game Plan. This show is produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. Head of podcasts is me. See you next week. Bye. How do you dress like you and also dress for work? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> 